Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to Jamie All Over. Today I'm joined by my friend Laura who I have known since I was in my teens. I was thinking back and I'm like, oh my God, it was like before we were even legal. Laura is from New Jersey. I just recently reconnected with her. And this is going to be such an interesting, fun episode. Welcome to the show, Laura Safaldi. Are you still going by your original last name? Yes, Safaldi. Yeah. To give you guys some background, I hooked Laura up with her future ex-husband, <laughs> <laughs> back in the day <laughs> and she hooked yeah. me up with an ex-boyfriend of mine because clearly we're not together so I was with this guy Vito Vito had a friend named Joe I hooked Laura and Joe up and then Vito and I broke up and Laura hooked me up with my next boyfriend Rob I don't know if you know the story of what ended up happening with Rob did I ever tell you no I never found out what ever happened with that he went to jail my god he went to jail yes Oh my God. Okay. We have so much catching up to do, but the topics that I really want to get into, which we will, is Laura has this psychic ability that I was not really aware of about when I was friends with her. So she actually does this as a career now. It's so fascinating. And I wanted to talk to her about that. But before we get into all of that, I just want to catch her up a little bit with my life. So, oh my gosh. So you hooked me up with Rob. It was really funny because I remember the first night I met him, I called you. I don't know if you remember this. I'm like, what are you thinking? He's not my type. Actually, I do remember that. <laughs> and I was like kind of pissed, right? He had met me in New Jersey. I was living in Jersey at the time. He was living in the city. He somehow convinced me to go back into the city and we were going to go to some W hotel bar or something. At that point, I think I had enough wine where I'm like, okay, I'll consider this. And then he, he took me back to his New York City apartment. Nothing happened that night. But... I remember being in his apartment. I'm like, oh, wow, this is really well decorated. And I'm like, OK, maybe I could like him. I remember. I remember. Actually, the last thing I remember was actually coming to the apartment and you making dinner for all of us. Do you remember that? I do. Coming to the city and we had, we had dinner together. <laughs> God. Oh, my God. Yeah. He like he won me over. He made dinner for me on our next date. And then he took me to Florida. We went to South Beach. And then he was taking me on all kinds of vacations. And that was like, that was a really big learning experience for me because I was so young, but I was then living in New York City and we were going to like the Broadway plays and going to the best restaurants and going on these lavish vacations. And after a couple of years of that, I was like, I don't really care about any of this stuff and I'm not in love with him. And I kept mm -hmm. trying to force myself to love him. And I just couldn't. I eventually broke up with him. But during that process, I had the FBI banging on my door at 5 a.m. And they arrested him. And I had oh no God. clue what he was up to, where he had all this money from. I thought he was like vice president of some company that kept strangely changing names. And I didn't even question that. I was so naive. And he went to jail or prison, rather 
for several years. Wow. Oh yes. my God. He was in prison for seven years. Not seven, oh. several. I don't know how many, but you know what's wow. insane now? He lives in Orange County and so do I in California. That's crazy. Right? All right. Well, he's in the past, so he's meant to stay in the past. Oh, 100%. <laughs> I don't even want to see him. He's married. Yeah. Like, I, no interest in seeing him, but it's just yeah, so exactly. weird that we ended up here. This is very bizarre. But anyway, getting away from Rob. <laughs> oh my gosh. To tie this story all up, when I was with Vito, I hooked Laura up with her ex husband. They have three beautiful kids, and I have a beautiful daughter with my ex, people who we weren't probably meant to be with forever but i just look at it like they were meant to be in our lives for our kids yeah feel that exactly way. yep 100 percent. yeah yeah i feel like everybody you meet like even the whole situation with you and rob you guys definitely have some sort of soul connection not saying he's a soul mate or you're supposed to be with him but you're together for a reason i mean it was a learning lesson but yeah it's so weird i look back and i'm like how did i stay with someone for four years that i was not in love with i convinced myself to be with this person isn't that crazy? You know why? And that maybe ties into like exactly what it is that I'm doing. It all goes hand in hand with the your soul purpose and the fact that you're just a smidge more evolved. That's just saying you have a few more lifetimes under your belt. And maybe that was a decision or an agreement that you both came to on the in-between before you enter it into this life. Like, you know what? I'm going to help you out. I'll give you the tools. It's up to you to utilize them and, and help yourself. And that's what I find happens with a lot of people where they're like, oh my God, I don't even know. I didn't have a connection with this person, but I just kind of stayed with them. And I don't mm -hmm. even know why I stayed with them. I felt like I needed to help them or guide them or whatever that is. So I feel like that's exactly what you were for him. It was a matter of you. And maybe that's where you came in. Maybe you were supposed to help push him in a different direction, but then he chose otherwise. And that's why he ended up in prison. <laughs> you know, whatever. Crazy. So crazy. So something happened yeah. at your wedding that I went into a little detail with, which was like so good to finally tell you after all of this time. Yeah. But your wedding was an interesting time for me. So I had broken up with Rob at this point and I started dating a guy named Scott, who I was actually crazy about. And we were only together and for a few months. And it's insane for me to look at like, oh, my God, how do I have so many feelings for someone in such a short-term relationship after just getting out of years with the previous people and not feeling this. It was crazy. But yeah, Scott ended up breaking my heart. And I ended up going to your wedding with Scott's cousin because he and I were friends. And I'm at your wedding feeling a little sad about the Scott breakup and everything. And Vito, the first ex that we had mentioned in this story, was there with his new wife at your wedding. He came up to me and he was like, I married the wrong person. Will you be with me? If so, I'll get a divorce. And that moment in my life was so life-changing for me because I'm like, oh my God, love is not real. I'm thinking this at your wedding. And I, of course, I'm not going to tell you this. And I'm like, oh my God. And what I said to him was like, you should get a divorce because you're not in love with her and you'd be willing to leave her for someone else. But don't get a divorce for me because I don't want to be with you. But I'll never forget that day and just the knowledge then so young knowing, wow, people will get married. They will go that far if they're not truly in love with a person. Yeah. You know what? That's actually it's maybe that in that moment, that was an eye opener for you where you were like, oh, and maybe it also kind of maybe that's what that taught you in that moment, too. It's saying to yourself that, you know what, this is 
what I'm going to strive for. It's not something that I want. I want to marry because I have this beautiful connection with this person. I'm not settling. So it sounds to me, I'm not, I don't really know anything about his situation. Well, <laughs> I, I can, if I want to like kind of touch into it, but it's not my place to do that. It's not my business. My feeling with it is that he just married out of convenience. Like it was something just convenient. So I think it was the best thing that you could have said to him when you told him, if he's not happy and he shouldn't have gotten married, he shouldn't be with her then. That's the case. And they're still together, aren't they? I think so. As far as I know, I don't talk to them. So oh, you I don't? believe so. No, her and I didn't really see eye to eye. <laughs> it wasn't really on my half and my end anyway. It was more her. So wow. but that's all right. Interesting. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> when we were friends, we had so much fun together and going to the sh- down the shore. I almost said going to the shore. That's the California in me. Going down the shore and going into yeah. clubs that we were way too young to get into. I don't even know how we got into all of those places. Were people not asking for IDs or did they accept our fake IDs? Because I remember I did have a fake ID. Yeah, I had a fake ID. I didn't really even have a fake ID, though. I think I just had somebody else's ID and I just used it and they just let us in. We all got in. Yeah, back then it was different, though. They just kind of turned a blind. If you were, if you were whatever, they just let them in, especially girls. They just let girls in like, all right, yeah, just go. Do you remember that one time? I think I was with you. We were at Seaside and we were going in. What was the club down there? Was it Joey's? No. Oh, oh my God. Wait, hold on. DJ's was Belmar. DJ's was Belmar. The surf club, which was Point Pleasant. Hemp's. Hemp's. Wait, really? That was down the shore? Temptation. Temptations? Is that Temptations? I do remember that, but I don't know. Okay. I could have sworn it was like Joey's or something. But anyway, you're probably right. So anyway, I remember going to the boardwalk and I'm pretty sure like I brought you and we were with our whole little group and we found a place that did temporary tattoos and I had found someone who had gotten a stamp at the club and left and I made him come <laughs> with us to the boardwalk and I had the temporary tattoo guy put that same stamp on my hand so I could get into the club. Do you remember that? I vaguely remember that. It sounds, it's ringing a bell, but I don't remember the exact, I don't remember the exact story of what happened, but I remember something like that happening. My memory lately has been so bad. <laughs> As you're getting older, I forget stuff. Well, you know, it's funny. I think I have a really good long-term memory, but my short-term is so bad. And I was just telling another friend of mine, funny enough, Dave, Scott's cousin, who I took to your wedding. Oh my God. We're still friends. And I was just telling him, I was like, I don't have any more short-term memory. I think my brain is full and I can't retain any more information. You have no more storage. No. You're like, I need need an upgrade. I need to upgrade the storage. Exactly. (laughs) You're a hard drive to plug in. It just, you know what happens? You're spread thin. When you're doing a lot, you have a lot on your mind. And that's what happens. You're in a hundred different places. You're doing a hundred different things. You're a mom. I think that's what it is too. Yeah. Plus... I think that you're very empathic and the weight of just everybody else's stuff sometimes weighs on you as well. Uh, Aside from your own stuff, you're hanging on to everybody else's stuff too. So that can make you a little cloudy. That happens to me and that's been happening to me lately, especially. Even though I've been grounding and doing all the things that I need to do for myself, I still feel very weighted and heavy. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Because especially with, you see all of this tragedy happening in the world, but yet I feel almost helpless to do anything about it. So it's like feeling empathy for something that you can't fix is like Mm -hmm. a mind fuck. Yep, it is. It's very, 
you feel very helpless. Yeah. So I had this like feeling to reach out to you a couple weeks ago and I found you on Instagram. My phone, maybe a year or two ago, it spazzed out and I lost over half of my contacts. And I know I had your number at some point because I know we met up in Jersey several years ago, but I was looking in my phone. I couldn't find your number. I'm like, oh, she must have been one of the ones my phone deleted. So I found you on Instagram. And then I discovered this whole new life that you have created for yourself. And I was like, oh, my God, Laura, you're a psychic now. And then I saw clips of you doing stuff on TV shows where you're helping to find missing persons and stuff like that. So the last I knew you were an esthetician, you were doing facials. (laughs) Take me all the way back. How did you go from that to what you're doing now? So I'm going to bring you all the way back to when I was a little girl, which I'm sure you're not aware of, just with connecting with spirit and seeing things since I was the first recollection was around the age of four. I used to I tell everybody I used to see my own angels. I used to tuck them in at night, I used to sleep with them. And then, you know, it's funny because conversations I had with my parents over the last few years, just kind of connecting the dots, telling my mother, I'm like, yeah, when I was four, I used to sit in the closet and play with strawberry shortcake. And then there was the little girl there that she would be lemon meringue and a a literal childhood, like a friend. I used to see a, a girl and I used to play with her all the time. And my mom's like, I used to think that was an imaginary friend. I'm like, Ma, you really think I'm going to sit in a closet for five hours at seven years old by myself? Like I'm playing with somebody. I was playing with her. Was this in your Totowa house? No, this was in West Patterson. Okay. So was it an older house? house? Because I remember the Totowa house, I think you guys built. We built that. Yeah. No, this was in West Patterson. So it was was like an apartment we lived in. It was above a barbershop. Okay. Yeah. So we lived in there. I didn't move to the house in Totowa until I was about like eight and a half turning nine. So okay. that's when we built that house and we moved there. I don't know if like spirits can like, I'm sure they can move with you. And if you were to go into a brand new house, I'm sure they could still find you there. But I would assume you're more likely to run into them in an older house. Is that right? Uh, yeah, but spirits are attracted to you if I'm like a people that are more sensitive or able to connect or like a beacon. So we're like a light. So it's sort of like when you're in an airplane and it's dark and you're, you gravitate towards that one light that's down below. So that's kind of how spirits see me. They're like, oh, she could see us. They're like, oh. So yes, are they more prevalent in an older type setting, an older house? Yes. It's unfortunate. My kids always refer to them now as hitchhikers. Like you brought a hitchhiker home, mom. Oh my it's like a common thing. If I go anywhere, I like ghost hunting and I like doing all that stuff just for fun. I know most yeah. people will go skiing or go doing something else for fun. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go to a really haunted house. <laughs> go see what's over there. I kind of do that too. Yeah. I think it's so much, I just, I find it very fascinating and I I love doing it. But in any case, sometimes they attach themselves to you, but that does happen. So that's yeah. scary. So the I reason have. why I just assumed it, it doesn't really happen as much in newer places, because where I live now, it was only built a couple of years ago and I don't feel <laughs> anything here and I love it, but I'll go to an old hotel or something or someplace that's an older home. And I, that's when I start feeling the things. But I'm so happy that I don't feel anything in this apartment. That's good. A lot of times that I'm not putting ideas in your head. I don't want you to be like, oh, great, Laura. But a lot of times, too, it doesn't really so much have to do with the actual base or the house itself. It could also be correlated with the land. So it's not even that the house itself could be a brand new house, but it's the land, right? So there's all different layers to it. And so yeah. every time I go into a house, yeah, I am going to pick up on because I'm super open, super aware. So it might not be 
energy that's from that house per se. But like I just said, it might be attached to the land or a lot of times too, in the very beginning, I had a hard time navigating, differentiating, okay, is it an energy that's present, that's still here, an actual energy and an entity, or is it residual? So residual being more energy that you leave behind. So if someone were in my room right now and there was like a bunch of kids here running around in a circle and then they left before I came home and let's say I didn't know that they were here, I would walk in and be like, I feel the energy of a couple of kids running around the carpet, running around the room. So it doesn't mean that there's the actual en- entities that are there running around. It means that the energy is kind of left there. It's like a residual. Does that make sense? It does. And you just kind of jogged my memory. I don't want to tell the story now because I want you to continue on your journey. And if I remember at the end, I'll tell everybody the story. But I was at a casino that was a brand new casino and stuff was happening and it was very, very scary. And then I come to find out it was built on an ancient burial ground. So yeah, say if I recall at the end, I'll get into that story. But let's continue. So you have been feeling this way since a kid, you actually see spirits. As a kid, did you think this is a real person? Or is it like somewhat see through? And did you know it was different? Well, no, they looked real to me. So I didn't understand or know that it was something different. Right before I had moved, just going to kind of paint a picture for you. It was only a two bedroom apartment. So I had my two brothers and they had bunk beds and I was in a single bed. Ironically, I had this fascination as a child with Carol Ann. I don't remember. I don't know if you remember the movie Poltergeist. I was obsessed with her. Ironically, she was psychic. (laughs) Oh, really? I don't remember that movie. Uh I think I was too scared to watch it because I kept hearing like everyone that did that movie movie died. It was like cursed. And I'm like, I'm not watching this movie. Oh, yeah. No, I was obsessed with that movie. That was my mom's name is Carol and her middle name is Anne. I remember I was so jealous of her. I'm like, you're you have the best name ever. I made my mom buy me a Carol Ann bed. I bought like the wicker bed to resemble Carol Ann. So I had this whole thing with Carol Ann. Okay. So needless to say, I had this bed. My brothers had a bunk bed. And I remember this one night in particular, I was probably around seven just before my eighth birthday. I was sleeping and I remember my neighbor, her name was Susan at the time, she appeared at the bottom of my bed. And I was like, why is she at the bottom of my bed? Why did she appear here? What is she doing? And I remember I kind of resembled the little boy in Sixth Sense when he had the, like, the blanket pulled up to his nose when he's like, his eyes are bugging out. That's what I yes. was doing. I was like, oh my God, why are you here, Susie? And she looked at me and she goes, tell my family that I love them. I didn't understand her. She was only 17 at the time. So she was a young girl too. And I didn't understand or what know what was going on. The next morning, I remember going downstairs and my mom, I remember hearing my mom cry and she was washing dishes or doing something at the sink. There was a knock on the back door and it was her brother knocked on the back door. His name was Michael. He came in. My mom opened the door. He came in and she hugged him and she's like, oh, I'm so sorry. And I was like, why are, why are you saying sorry? And she's like, honey, Susie died last night. Susan died. I was like, oh my gosh. That was my first aha moment for myself where I was like, okay, what am I seeing now? Not everyone sees this. Something's going on. Did so you that was tell, like my first. Did no, you I never tell told your parents? Anybody. Okay. No, no, I never told anybody. I didn't understand it and it scared me. And then little checkpoints of things like that kind of started happening throughout my life. Like when I was 13, when I was 15, 16, I remember my first funeral with one of my friends. I remember going and then seeing a girl from my school. I don't want to say her name, but I saw her walking around the funeral parlor and I was mortified. I was petrified. I was like, why am I seeing her walk around the funeral parlor? Meanwhile, she was, I don't mean to be graphic. She was, you know, she was laid out and I saw her in the coffin and then I saw her walking around amongst the crowd. And I'm like, 
I need to get out of here. I remember I told my friend Tanya at the time that I, I was with, I was like, I need to go home. She's like, what's wrong with you? I was like, I don't feel good. I need to get out of here. So it was like little checkpoints of things throughout my life. And then growing up as a police officer's daughter, as you know, my dad's a police officer. Yeah. I remember every so often he would be on typical. He was dad's dude. They're on the couch watching TV. News thing would pop up about a missing woman or some kind of crime that happened. And going out, maybe even with you, I don't even remember, with whomever, heading out to the club or wherever I was going with my friends, I would just stop and say, oh, they need to look for the black car with the license plate with the, she lost her earring and she's in the dirt and she's in there and she's, and he would just turn around with the remote in his hand and look at me like, what? How do you know that? I'm like, I don't know. I just know. I'll see you later. Ugh. Well, years later, my dad told me when I finally, I always say came out and I, because I was afraid at first, like people are going to think I'm nuts. He told me that he would write all this stuff down and then fact check it later. I'm like, of course you did that. Only he would do that, of course. But he would fact check it later. And as the months would progress, the case would come out. Of course, we're not going to release everything on TV, but certain little things, he was like, oh my God, Laura said that. She didn't know that. Nobody knew that. And now here we are two months later and this is, this check, this makes sense. So that was like really the first time, I guess you could say that everything started kind of pulling together. And then as you know, I was doing facials and I was doing makeup and just little things like I'd be doing somebody's facial or I'd be doing their makeup. And then I would start saying things to them. And then they would come back to me like, you told me about my grandfather last time. And I didn't know. And I told my mom and or you said this was going to happen. And then, oh my gosh, it happened. And ha can I make an appointment with you? I'm like, make an appointment with me. I don't know. I, I guess like, so it kind of just happened that way. Like it was almost serendipitous. How did you start your first appointment? So someone's like, I want a psychic session with you. How did you even know what to do? Or how did you channel anything? How did that first session go? The first session was, I actually did it a lot of times with a lot of my friends and my family. So I would just see symbols or I see people. So I would see them in my mind's eye and they would show me a picture of things. And I just kind of doing, I remember the very first one that I did was actually a friend of mine. Her name was Trisha and she lives out in Colorado. I remember we were talking and she was telling me that her grandmother just died. And she's like, oh, my grandmother just died. And I didn't know her grandmother. And I'm like, oh, your grandmother was her name such and such. And I said her name. And she's like, yeah, I go, you're lying. I thought she was lying. I thought she mm -hmm. was like pulling my chains. I thought she was joking with me. Yeah. So I was like, you're lying. She's like, Laura, I swear I'm not lying to you. The next thing I know, she started taking tissues and tucking them in her sleeve. And I go, did she take tissues and tuck them up her sleeve? She goes, we used to make fun of her all the time because she always had tissues jammed up her sleeve. And then just one thing after the next. So that's kind of how it all went. But I kept saying to her, I'm like, are you lying to me? Please stop. Please don't joke around. It's not funny. She's like, Laura, I swear to God, I'm telling you the truth. So that's kind of how it really first started was I just I just started just saying whatever it was that I was seeing. Another thing, though, too, that I didn't know that I sort of developed later on was that I was sitting around and I was kind of waiting for the information to come to me. And what I realized later was that I could ask questions. So then I would say to them, what is your name? What do you want to show me? Or what color was your hair? Or, or how did you pass? Do you know what I mean? So yeah. as time went on, it kind of snowballed as I started doing more and more readings, basically. But that's how the first one kind of went. Gotcha. You know, I have a little bit of a, an ability. I, I like to call it an intuition. Yeah. I never tell anybody I'm psychic. But Mm -hmm. Your story sounds very similar to mine, except I don't see things and I don't even know how I get the information. When I first started doing it, 
I was drunk and probably on an edible. We were in Palm Springs with a group of my friends and I started saying things. I had the same reaction as you did the next morning. I said to my friends, Brett and Sheena, I was like, you guys are so fucked up for making me look stupid like that and telling me all those things were true. You're such bad friends. I can't believe you did that to me. I'm so pissed off at you. And they were like, Jamie, what are you talking about? Everything you said was true. I named like Brett's grandmother. I was like, is her name Angela? Did she used to make, what was it? Apple, apple cider donuts. I didn't even know apple cider donuts was a thing. And he was like, yes, her name is Angela. Yes, she used to make it. And it was an insane night. But I feel like by being drunk and being on edible, it's because I maybe relaxed my mind or the filters came down a bit. And I let that information Mm -hmm. in when normally I'm blocking it out because One of the first experiences I remember is when I was 15 and I was on the phone with my friend and I remember looking out my window. I was sitting on my floor. I was looking out the window and the sky was just this like ominous red color. And I was like mid-sentence, I stopped talking to her and she goes, what's wrong? And I was like, someone's going to die. And it just like blurted out, right? And then she's like, okay, that's weird. And then we kept talking. The next morning, my grandfather died. And I had I didn't know anything was wrong. He went to sleep and he died in his sleep. But by knowing someone was going to die, it really was quite traumatic for me at that age in high school because I'm like, why did I need to know that? I couldn't stop it. I didn't know who it was. Why would I need this information? And it kind of stayed with me. And I didn't want to have that ability. I didn't understand the point of it to know bad things. Like it just, I, I couldn't grasp it at that age. And so I think yeah. I've always just blocked it out. But there'd be other times like in high school, like one of our friends was coming over to my other friend's house and she's like, why are they so late? And I'm like, they got in a car accident and everyone was fine. But they did get in a car accident. It it would be things like that when I was younger. But I don't see anything. And I don't know where I really access this information. But you see things. Like, why do you think people have different, I guess, gifts? And like, how come you can see something and I can't? Or like, why do you think that is? Well, it's like a muscle. So it's like you have to exercise it to build it, right? So as time goes on, it's like, yeah, I see things. I hear things. I actually have all of my senses. So I wow. see, I hear, I hit, I smell, I taste, and I feel. So I have pretty much all of the, the clairs, right? So I have everything. But if you really wanted to, if you wanted to kind of hone in on your gift and enhance it and build on it, you absolutely can. So you can bring it to the next level where you can start to see things and have the other senses as well. But it's a matter of if you want that, if you want to build on that. So I don't think I do. And and I think that's why I'm grateful that I don't see anything because I don't want to see anything. It would freak me out. But for those listening who might want it, who this might resonate with them, they have similar experiences, they might want to hone it. What are some tips for them? How can they do this? So some tips that the very, I think the The biggest thing with honing in on your gift is just confidence. It's just trusting what you're seeing and what you're getting. I think a lot of times we dismiss, you know, it's like that gut. It's like that inner intuition, that feeling. It's, you know, when you have that moment where you're like, I really feel like I shouldn't do this, but then I'm just, I'm being silly. I'm being stupid. I'm, why am I thinking this way? And then you do it anyway. Mm -hmm. It's really just paying attention to that. Another thing that I tell people is that, especially with seeing, so can I physically see? Do I physically see spirit? Yes. It's not something that it's not prominent. I don't see all the time. Maybe I could count on one hand how many times I've seen a physical apparition. I don't really like that. Okay. So it's more in my mind's eye. 
So what I always tell people is that when you have a loved one or somebody that, you know, that you want to connect with in spirit, when they pop up in your mind and you see them in your mind, have that confidence that you're really seeing them. That's where people second guess themselves. People second guess themselves because they're like, oh no, it's because I'm thinking of them. No, no, no. You're seeing them. Do you want, do you see what I mean? It's just, that's how they can help exercise that muscle and hone in on it more. It's just trusting what they're seeing and what they're getting. And even a lot of times my rule of thumb too, with intuition, as far as like the answer on things, because I know sometimes like you'll go back and forth, like, should I do this or should I do this? Well, whatever it is that comes to your mind first, it's when you're least expecting it or when you're not really thinking about it. It's like when you're washing the dishes and something just kind of pops into your mind Mm -hmm. that you weren't really even talking about or thinking about. That's more intuitive. Do you understand? That's more like, where is that coming from? You're washing dishes, you're thinking about other things. And all of a sudden you see your grandfather and he's giving you a message talking about whatever it is that he's talking about. Or like for you, you're, it was more matter of fact where you said, you know, they were in a car accident, like something that just pops up out of nowhere that you're like, where would I even think of something like that? Mm-hmm. That's how you just exercise that and just hone in on it. So I hope that. Okay. Helps. No, that makes a lot of sense because I, And again, not that I'm personally trying to make mine stronger at this point. I think I think I'm still and it's funny that you use the term coming out because I'm still scared to talk about it with people or tell people because so many people don't believe in it. And for those that don't believe in it, they will think you're crazy. I'm not usually one to care what other people think of me. I'm very opinionated. And a lot of times my opinions differ from most people. And even being vegan, like I'm used to going against the grain with things. But for some reason with this thing, it's just something I've always kept to myself. Apparently my father had it as well. He would never tell anyone yeah. that he had it. And I don't know, Is it, do you think it's an Italian thing? I mean, I know other people have it, but my dad is Sicilian and I know so many Sicilians and I know you're Italian. Is it something that is passed down or where do you think it comes from? Well, my opinion, I don't think it has anything to do with your background as far as like, you know, if you're Italian, if you're German, if you're this or if you're that, I just think it's soul wise. So your soul, if it's just more evolved and just think it's your soul. So the more lifetimes that you have, the more evolved that you are, we're all able to connect. So we're all able to feel each other. We're all able to sense things. It's just a matter of you, how many times you've been here and how evolved you are. That's basically what that is. That's what I feel. But as far as not feeling comfortable with sharing the gift, I under, I understand that. I took a word with myself for a very long time with the notion or the idea of are people going to think I'm nuts. And I also think there's a little bit of a perfectionist in me too, where I feel like if I'm not perfect or if I don't do a good job, I don't want people not like me or judge, or I don't know. Does, I, I, it's, I don't know if it's like judge me, but maybe not like me or I guess you could say, yeah, I guess it's like sounding, you don't want to sound like a nut, I guess. Or like yeah. You don't want to and sound I, crazy. And you never know if someone believes in that stuff or not. And you don't want to hurt them. Maybe some, their relative who has passed on comes to you. You don't know that they even want to hear that information or if they're open to it. But I remember another time in San Diego, I was out with a couple of friends And I looked over and I saw this guy dancing and he had this gold chain on with, and I think it was a cross because I had a few in me, I guess I had the confidence to just go up to him and say this to him. And I was like, oh, that, that chain means a lot to you. Your mom gave that to you. And he was like, yeah, I was like, she's here with you now. And he's like, oh, what? Oh my God. My mom is passed away. And I was like, she wants to know that you're trying to decide between two different directions in life, but you know, the right one to choose, even though you think it's not 
what everyone wants for you, but she wants you to do that. And he, he started crying and he was like, thank you so much. But that's like some weird one-off instance. My fear would be going up to someone and saying something and then being like, shut up. How dare you talk about my dead relative or you're crazy or I don't believe you. So I don't make it a habit. <laughs> I just go mm -hmm. up to people or offer information. And even with my friends, I will not say anything unless re very, very recently I got this warning and I don't normally get warnings, but it was someone who mm -hmm. has a motorcycle, which I didn't even know he had a motorcycle. It's someone that a friend of mine is dating. Mm -hmm. And this friend does not believe in the afterlife or she's very skeptical of it. She doesn't believe in psychics. So I didn't want to tell her directly. So I told another one of our friends who is in communication with the boyfriend who was on the motorcycle. So I got this warning. I'm like, hey, does so-and-so, is he thinking about buying a motorcycle? Because he should not get on a bike whatsoever. I saw him getting in an accident and dying. And I got this warning. And she was like, no, he has one already. But our friend has been asking him to stop riding it. She doesn't like it. And I was like, well, he should. He shouldn't ride it. And my friend reached out to the boyfriend and told him, and he's like, okay, it's in storage. And he listened. He took the advice and he listened. And then it gets me thinking like, Wait, the butterfly effect. Did that just fuck up something else? Did I no. stop something from happening that was supposed to? There's just so many questions that I have about it. I never know when to say something. Okay, so that that's a this is I love that you're bringing this up because I think this is a really I just I think it's an awesome topic to discuss. I've encountered this so many times over the course of me sharing my gift over the past whatever it's oh god 13 plus years now I can't even I don't even know anymore but I've had this happen to me and this was like a question that I would ask myself very quite often I had a client one time she came to me I always tell everybody I'm not a doctor I'm not here to diagnose you I just I'm just getting the information and always remember everything is always in your delivery you know how I sort of land the plane I'm not going to scare someone I'm not going to be like oh my gosh go get checked or this is what this is I don't know everything's open to interpretation right mm -hmm. I had this woman, she came to me and I remember it kept coming up in the reading that she needed to have a scan of her head. And I'm like, you need to, you know, you need to get an MRI. And she was just kind of like, I'm fine. She was a younger woman. She was healthy. Nothing was going on for her. So she ended up leaving. Long story short, she had some other family members that ended up coming to me throughout the year or whatever it was. The same thing, the same message. And I don't remember my readings. Everything's sort of erased after each reading. I remember the family members being like, oh, it's funny that so-and-so said that you brought that up in her reading that she needs to have a scan of her head because it, it would come up for her even in their readings. Like, oh, tell her that she needs to get a scan of her head. So she ended up coming back to me one more time. This was over a course of maybe a year and a half. And the last time that she had come, I had said to her, right, I remember she was walking out. I'll never forget. I still remember seeing the heels of her feet walking up the stairs and I was walking behind her. And I remember begging her at this point, like, please just go get a scan of your head. You need an MRI, go get something. And she just kind of laughed me off. She's like, okay, I'll go get one. It's fine, whatever. I don't think it was maybe six or seven months later, I'd gotten a call from one of her friends that she had passed away suddenly. Oh, no. And then soon after that, one of her family members had come to me and they found out that she had passed away from an aneurysm in her head. But I remember it was like with the situation, I don't need to talk about that. I know it's very, I don't want it to sound morbid, but I remember in that moment, I remember just sitting with myself and feeling as though, did I fail? Did I not get her this message? Why did, why wasn't I more forceful? Why wasn't I, why didn't I more demand it? Like, go get this done. Could I, was I supposed to have saved her? Do you see what I mean? So I feel like it was the opposite. So I know you're saying like the butterfly effect. 
what I've come to realize, and I've had countless stories just like this, not in that way, but other stories in the same sort of respect where I stopped and I'm like, oh my gosh, what does this mean? And what is my purpose? But I'm realizing, or I realize that with our life, we have this map that we map out for ourselves and we have these little, I want to say if they're like, it's like a Y in the road where you can either go in this direction or go in this direction. And there's always an intervention at some point and it's like free will. So I was meant to kind of meet up with her right at that why moment, like right at that intersection. And she either made a she was going to make a decision. She can either go to the left or she can go to the right. It has nothing to do with me. I was just there to give her this piece of information and what she did with it was on her. It was part of whatever her choice. Like it was, it had nothing to do with me. Do you understand? I feel like you're there to give that little, that breadcrumb or like that missing puzzle piece. And then for all you know, your friend, they might not have listened and then he could have went in a different, but then would you have felt responsible? Like you didn't push it enough? Do you know what I mean? So either way, I feel like you served your purpose. It doesn't affect anything. It's not changing anything. It's still up to the individual. It's still up to the person. It's their free will. Do you understand? Absolutely. Yeah. The other night I went to go see a movie called After Death. I want to see that. I haven't seen it yet. I'm dying to say it. No, no pun intended. (laughs) Right. My mind is blown. So I watched something on Netflix called Surviving Death. And in fact, one of the girls in one of the episodes on that is in the movie After Death. All of these people that they follow have near-death experiences. And they come back to tell what was quote unquote heaven like or hell possibly some people were on their way to hell and these people weren't even that bad so it just gets my mind twirling and it's not like this is all new beliefs like i said i watched the netflix show already surviving death i'm familiar with people having near-death experiences and describing the light and all of that but this movie goes into such detail about what heaven is like and what it feels like i guess with more information that i get on these topics comes so many more questions. For example, one guy got in a car accident on a bridge and he was able to look down and see the car accident. He could see the people coming to work on him. It happened to other people in operating rooms and then they can validate what they saw happen or what people said. There's been witnesses to validate what they said that they saw when they had left their bodies. Yeah. Because a lot of people will be like, oh, it's just like this chemical reaction of the brain. Like when you're dying, this is what happens. It's not actually heaven. You're just, you're not going anywhere. But Because of these other experiences that can be validated, it's like, well, no, this is something we should definitely look at and consider and be open to. They all described, you know, the ones that did go to heaven, they described it as like this warm light that's like love. And it's like the most love that you you can't even imagine what it feels like here on earth. And there aren't even like earthly words to describe it. And a lot of these people, they're like, yeah, I had a wife, I had kids. I didn't want to come back. But I was told my time was not up. I still had a purpose and I was forced to come back. In one respect, it makes me think of my dad because I'm like, oh, if he had the choice, why would he choose to leave us? You know, but then it makes me think all these other people who are saying like how amazing it is. It almost makes me happy. And this is so weird and maybe morbid to say, but if heaven truly is like that and there is an afterlife, it can make me happy for these people instead of mourning their death here on earth because the people who had the near death experiences, they're like, It wasn't like I was alive and dead. It was like I was alive and then more alive. Anyway, this movie, this is a long-winded way to to get to my next topic, but this movie that I just saw has me like asking so many questions. One of them is if these people that do actually die, they don't come back. 
through a near-death experience and then becoming resuscitated, the ones that actually do die. And if Mm -hmm. they're gone and happy in heaven, there seems to be another set that are earthbound. Or is it these people that are in heaven somehow finding their way to our dimension to be able to contact us? What has your experience been with maybe earthbound spirits? Is that a thing where like they can't get to the next, if it is heaven, that they can't get there? Do they need your help? What light can you shed on all of that? Okay, so the answer to your question is yes, there are some earthbound spirits. But at the same time, I feel like the earthbound spirits are only here because they want to be here. So like the ones that they're not trapped here per se, that I don't know, I can't really say that because I, I have come across a couple that felt, let me try to see how I could, how I can explain this to you without sounding contradicting. So for the most part, generally speaking, the spirits that are around us consistently, like our family and stuff like that, they're just with us. They're crossed over. They're at peace but they're not earth, but they're with us. Okay. So that's okay. that category. The ones that I have come across, I remember I went and I did this. I won't say the name of the place because I don't want to get anybody in trouble, but there was this place that I had gone to. I could say that I could say where it's in New York state. And there was a girl that I had come across there where she was an older spirit, but she was being more held there by negative energies, but then also people that owned the property. They wouldn't sage, they wouldn't cleanse because when I had connected with her, she was actually in the one one room and she was crying. And she kept telling me that they won't let her leave. It almost she almost kept giving me the symbolism of like she was in a circus. Like she was like a tra- like a trapped animal. And they just used her just to perform. Like she was in this performance. So I wasn't supposed to, but I actually said a prayer for her to cross over. They they made me sign a waiver when I first went there. They were like, oh, you, you're not allowed to sage, which I didn't have any sage on me. Mm-hmm. But OK, I didn't sage. I followed the rules as far as that went. But no one's going to tell me that I can't tell this girl to go to the light and cross over and do what she needs to do. So I said a prayer and I said a prayer for her. What she did with that, I'm not really sure. I did feel as though she crossed. But in that case, there are some times where it might be the living kind of holding them back. It might be themselves as far as maybe whatever it is that they're harboring, guilt, sadness, anger, fear, whatever that may be. The process of crossing over always starts out with a life review. So there are some souls that don't want to do their life review because of fear of whatever it is. Maybe it's fear of what they've done, fear of what they're going to see, fear of what they're going to feel, whatever it is. So they choose not to go through that life review. And because they're not going through their life review, that's the first step. That's what keeps them more earthbound, you see? Interesting. And they're keeping their emotions, their earthly emotions, because you don't lose those earthly emotions until after the life review process, after you go through the light and you kind of shed all of those and there's a healing that begins. So before you go into the afterlife, before you go into heaven, it's almost like you have this, that white light, that white light sort of washes you or cleanses you of all those ailments, the pain, the, sa- the sadness, the anger, whatever negative emotions that you may have, it washes it all. And then the only thing that's left is pure joy and happiness and love and just all the good feeling. So that's sort of what happens. So if you don't make it through your life review, if you haven't gone through that, that's what keeps you more attached to this plane. That makes a lot of sense. And it's insane that I'm mm-hmm. saying this topic can even make sense because it's just so out there, right? But no, that makes sense compared to what I just saw in the movie and what I saw on 
Surviving Death on Netflix and what I've read is they all talk about this life review. So if they're somehow Mm -hmm. able to avoid it, that would make sense that they have not fully crossed over. That's so interesting. Oh, my God. I had, I don't know if I ever told you, but when I was 18, I had my own near-death experience. I was actually really sick. I don't I don't know if I ever told you this. I didn't really tell a lot of people. I was sick. I had pneumonia. I wasn't feeling well. Some people could be like, oh, maybe it was because you had a fever. You were this or that. No, I feel as though I stopped breathing. I feel like I wasn't. It just, I feel like something happened to me. I remember when I when this happened, I remember I was in a big room and I remember it was a long line of people. And I remember on the line, they were talking about seeing Jesus. And I was like, I want to go see Jesus. And of course, in my fashion, I cut the line. <laughs> I cut the line, went up to the front. And the woman that was at the front, I never saw her face. And I remember her saying to me, it's not, not your time. You're not ready. You don't need to go yet. And I was like, please, I begged and this and that, whatever. Long story short, she ended up giving me a a little glimpse of a life review. So I know, so I had my own little mini experience of a life review. And it was basically, it was almost as if someone took a picture of every smile that I ever smiled in my entire life up to that point and showed me in a split second, all while I was engulfed in this white light love. I did not want to leave that light. The same way that you're saying that, I did not want to leave it. I didn't want to go back. I was like, I don't know what this feeling is. I want to stay here. But the interesting part of it that I want to kind of make note of, and I haven't seen this movie yet, so I don't know if there's maybe a coral, maybe there's something similar that you've kind of pieced together for me. But when all the pictures sort of happened, it went backwards. So I started at the age that I was, and then it reversed back to my infant stage. So it was like, it went backwards, not not from infant to present. Yeah. It like rewinded time almost. That's what it seemed like. No one actually in the movie had specified in what chronological order the life review went in. But something that a few Mm. people did mention was that they not only saw it through their eyes, but they saw all of the people that they affect, that they make feel love or that they've hurt. And they get to see the repercussions of everything. Yeah. This movie had me, my mind has been spinning the last couple of days because of it. There was one part in particular that was troubling for me. It was the guy that felt like he was on his way to hell. There were these evil spirits and like, come with us, come with us. And then he's like, no, I don't want to go. And they're basically tearing him apart, gouging his eyes out, putting him through all of this pain. It's in this like gray darkness area. And he, they kept making him walk and walk and walk. When he resisted is like when they attacked him, but he was basically on his way to hell or so he thought, but he yelled out, maybe it was to Jesus. And he said, please help me, please help me. And then that's when he was sucked out of his way going to hell. But he was like, I'm not a bad person. I never killed anyone. Yet he was still headed that way. And what he was told in this purgatory or wherever he was is that he needs to go back to earth and love. He wasn't loving. And so he thought like, oh, because he had a wife and he had kids and he thought he was kind of indifferent to them and he wasn't loving them enough. So he went back and he showered them with love and told them about his experience. The wife ended up leaving him. And the kids didn't want to talk to him anymore. And so that's what has my mind spinning. And I think I've come to terms with it because it's like he wasn't told he needed to go back and love his wife. He was told he needed to go back and love. He was with the wrong person. So he couldn't love her. And there was no amount of love that he could supposedly give her because it wasn't real. It wasn't true. You know what it is? I'm sorry. I don't mean to interrupt you. I just wanted to say this one thing. Now, again, I haven't seen this movie yet. I, I definitely, it's on my radar. I'm definitely planning on seeing it. 
But just what I'm getting, just intuitively, what I'm feeling from that is I don't think it's about him loving others. I think it was really about him loving himself. Yeah, I think that's really the bottom line. Yeah, I really do. And I like I have like I said, I haven't seen this. I don't know who this man is or anything about it. But intuitively, that's what I'm feeling like. I feel as though it's about him loving him. And maybe that's part of his journey. Maybe that's why. And maybe it had to come to that point where it had to be so dramatic. I notice even with myself, and it might sound a little kooky saying this, but you know how many times I get attacked by negative energies where I'll, I feel like something is sucking the breath out of me or a demonic spirit is trying to take over something or I, it's like a battle. So a lot of times I feel like we're on the radar more. It's like the ones that are more connected with the other side. It's like, oh, we want to, they come after us harder. You know what I mean? So maybe this gentleman, maybe it's the same with him. Maybe that's why he had that experience. Maybe they went after him because he's a little bit more in tune or he's a little bit more, the word I'm trying to say, he's more of a threat to them. Hmm. I don't know. Maybe his word is going to carry far and wide and get to other people and he'll be able to help people. That's what I'm saying. You're right. In this movie, I think that's what's happening or going to happen is he's spreading exactly. that message now. That's interesting. Yeah. Again, bringing up the point of with more information, I just have more questions. It's like if there is a God or a higher power and this amazing heavenly place exists after we leave this body on this earth where do demons and hell even fall into that and there's questions i know i can't even have answers to like if god is the creator how did he get created you know or how did suppose i don't even want to say but the bad guy how did how did he get created and like how is there evil even and how if there's this place of such good but then there's a possibility people can go to the afterlife and end up in hell this whole idea of demons like why are demons even existing why are they here tell me your experience with the dark side of it so demons i feel like are so again this is all my opinion i don't know if this to be fact this is what this is my feeling on it and i know it sounds horrible to say it this way but it's the balance it's like the yin and the yang it's like good versus evil it's like it's just the way it works i don't even know if that's a good answer but that's just what well, i feel no it's an amazing answer because if there wasn't the bad we wouldn't know how good that was you can't yeah, have the good there without... has to be balance yeah, yeah. okay a hundred percent with that said angels were never human just like demons i don't believe were ever human it's just the angels were angels demons are demons I just feel like one serves, one serves the good, one serves the bad. That's what I feel. As far as hell, I want to just touch on this just for a minute, just to give you my perspective on what is hell, right? So what is hell? Is hell a place? Some people would say, like you said, this guy was kind of acknowledging hell as a place. Me personally, now this is my opinion, this is my feeling. I don't see hell as an actual place. I see hell being individualized, like for each person, as far as when they're going through their life review, I love the fact that you acknowledge that in this movie, they said they experience it through others. I say this all the time that you experience your life review, but then you also experience how you made other people feel or how something that you may have said or done may have affected somebody else in a positive or a negative way, right? So there's good and there's bad, right? There's that balance again. We got that too, even with the life review. So with hell, I feel as though it's, your life review process. What is hell? So let's say you were a murderer. Let's say you were just a really just not a good person in this life, right? And you just created har horrible and heinous crimes. That'll be essentially your hell because now what are you doing? You're going through this life review 
and you're going through it and you're experiencing whatever it is that you put on other people and going through it firsthand and then seeing the trickle effect. So that to me is hell, mm-hmm. right? So that's where I'm seeing hell. So I'm not, again, I'm not seeing it as a physical place. I know you're referencing it as, because that's what they were saying it is from what, from what I'm understanding that you're referencing it as physical place. I'm not really seeing it as a physical place. Can it be a physical place? Yes, but not from my perspective. Yeah. In fact, they showcased two people that thought that they were going to hell in this movie. So the other one, it was very different for him. He just had this sensation of just falling, 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 falling. And every time he tried to justify anything bad that he did, he would fall faster, like twice, like a thousand miles an hour. Okay, now 2000 miles an hour. Every time he tried to justify it in his head and he did the same thing and he called out to God as he was falling into this pit of darkness, he knew where he was going to. And then he called out for God to save him. This one guy, his story was interesting because he tried to take his own life. He says that there was like a demon in the real world telling him to do it. Yeah. He had slit his throat and the demon says, hurry up, hurry up. You got to do this faster. Stab yourself in the stomach too. And so he stabs himself in the stomach. The guy survived it, but when he died temporarily, this is what he saw. Kind of leads me back to the whole thing with demons. I only recently was talking to my brother, funny enough, about Vito, who we spoke about earlier. And the three of us Mm -hmm. had taken a trip to Montreal. I didn't know this, but my brother admitted to me when we were staying in this really old hotel in old Montreal, he was in his room. Vito and I were in, in my room. He said that he saw a demon in that room. By the way, I should probably put in a trigger warning about this, but hmm. that same yeah. that same night in my room, something was telling me to kill myself. Yeah. It came over me, this awful feeling of despair that I needed to end. And there was a mm-hmm. window in my hotel room. Vito was asleep. I go to the window and I try to open it to jump out. And the mm-hmm. window would not open. So I go back to sleep. The next morning, the feeling passed. I never really spoke about I, I mentioned this one time on the podcast. I think it came up one other time when I was mentioned, like, this was the closest I ever came to taking my life was this night and I'll never forget it. So only like a couple of weeks ago, I was talking to my brother about this trip when he told me about the demon that he saw that night. So then it yeah. had me looking up this particular hotel. I go Google what's going on in this hotel. There was a girl that killed herself in that hotel in the same manner she jumped out the window she was successful i'm like is there this demon trying to make people kill themselves in this hotel and was i victim to that yeah a hundred percent i've had as you're telling me this story i have stories similar that have happened to me i mean i subject myself to these places right and especially with working on criminal cases etc just in general so i'm a little bit more right i'm out there looking for this type of stuff essentially I've had demons basically tell me, oh, you should kill yourself. I had one Kate one time where I did contemplate. I'm like, I really need, I'm going to say trigger warning on my end too right now. Mm-hmm. I really need to hang myself. I need to just end it. Why should I should just drive my car off a cliff? I had one demon one time tell me, just throw myself in traffic. I'm going to kick you down the stairs, break your neck. And I hope you die. I've had a lot of those type of situations. Now, I guess you could say I'm a little bit more desensitized to it. Now, when I sense them, I'm like, get out of my space. Like, you're not touching me. But when I was a little bit more vulnerable or somebody like you, that you're really not able to protect yourself fully, you're still navigating with understanding your gift. Yeah, you're going to succumb to 
whatever it is that they're impressing on you. And it sounds to me like maybe that's what was going on with that might have even have happened with that girl that yeah. they could have put the idea in her mind as well. You know, yeah. so that is possible. And that's what they do. And I have to say, like the next morning, I had a feeling to go check that window and it opened very easily. You're protected. I know I, there was an angel there, too. Absolutely. Yeah. And I was 100 percent. And that was like another pivotal part of my life because I'm like, I was saved for a reason. I really need to honor that because I was saved and there, there had to be a reason for that. I find myself saying this a lot to people lately that people right away, they're like, what is my purpose? What is my purpose? I, I don't want purpose to be such like this big, I don't want it to seem like this grandiose thing. Like what is my purpose? No, I, I absolutely agree. I absolutely right? agree. And I, I just, I don't know why I just, I'm not like taking, I'm not trying to go in a different direction with that, but I just wanted to say that to you. No, I'm so, glad you sorry, brought that it. up. I'm so glad you brought that up because recently, I don't know, within the last year or so, I don't recall what I studied or researched or read, but it finally dawned on me that no one needs to be searching for their purpose. The fact, in fact, I did yeah. a birthday episode about how rare it is that we're even alive and that we were born. And the fact that we're here and alive and born, that's our purpose. We're not supposed to be searching for something else. Good. Yes. A hundred percent. I love that. Yes. Good. You briefly touched on describing to a woman that she needed to go get a brain scan. I know that now you are working with a hospital or with doctors to help, I assume, to help diagnose people or tell me about that. And how did you get into that? So medical intuitive, I I've cons I consult with many doctors, nurses that basically just sort of has just gone hand in hand with just my mediumship. And somebody might come into a reading and then right away, that might be one of the things that pop up for them where I'm like, oh, you're having some issues with your GI and this and that, whatever. And they're like, oh my gosh, that was one of my questions today. So it sort of snowballed in that way. And how did you connect with whatever doctors you're working with? How did that connection happen? Oh, so so the connection with the doctors in the hospital, there was a holistic fair that the hospital had. And then I just started doing some of the nurses and some of the doctors there. And then they invited me. And then it just kind of snowballed from there. And then I just became friendly with a lot of them and then built a rapport with them. The same thing like with, with working on the criminal cases. Once you work with one of the prosecutors and they start to get to know you and trust you and then they come to you and they consult with you and it's like that type of thing. Okay. That's basically how that works. I want to get into that for sure. But before we get to that, just Staying yeah. on the hospital medical intuitive for a second. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is it a situation where like a doctor might be stumped and they call you in to help or what exactly do you do? Yeah. So I've had a situation where, of course, there's page, patient confidentiality, but the doctor will ask the patient, is it all right if I consult with this person or ask somebody else for an opinion? And of course, they get their approval. And then they tell me, okay, listen, I have a, I have somebody and they bring the person to me as far as the information goes. They don't really tell me anything of what's going on with them, like their history or anything. I just do a body scan on them and then I tell them what I find. So that's basically what it is. So if there's something that, yeah, like you said, they're stumped, they've gone through every single test, they don't know what's going on, I'll help kind of give them some clarity. Listen, I'm, I'm going in this direction and then maybe looking into this, looking into having this test done or looking into this a little bit more, that's kind of what I do. So being the daughter of a cop, as you mentioned, is that mm -hmm. kind of the gateway into you working with police and helping them? What do you do exactly? Are you solving 
missing persons cases, criminal investigations. Tell us how you got into that. The very first case that I had worked on was a case that was brought to me by a friend of the family. And she had said, there's this girl that was, it was a hit and run. And she's now in a coma. We don't know what happened to her. So then I looked at her picture and I said, this is what happened to her. I said, she, no, they didn't know anything. This was maybe only a day into it. They just know that she was, she's in a coma. She's in the hospital. They don't have any facts or anything. So I said, okay, look, this is what I feel happened. And da, 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 da. They ended up connecting me with the prosecutor that was working on the case. I didn't know this person at the time. And then I talked to that prosecutor and I gave him all the information essentially. And then he circled back to me later on once everything started falling into place. And he was like, oh my gosh, yes. I looked into this and I looked into that and this all lined up and do you have anything else? So then you kind of build a rapport with them. Where my father comes in, it's it's because he's a police officer. He never gave me any work or I never got any work through him. It was more like he accompanies me. He talks to the cops or he looks at it from the police perspectives. When I look at it, let's say it's like a homicide or a victim's perspective. I actually go through whatever it is that they went through. So whatever they experienced, I start experiencing it and I start acting it out in first person. So my dad, let's say if I'm on a crime scene, my dad will accompany me there. And then as I'm going through it, he'll be asking me all these other questions like a detective. So while I'm in that frame of mind where I'm the victim, he'll be like, what color shirt is the guy wearing? What direction did he go in? So he helps me focus and look around, if that wow. makes sense. You two should have a show on TV. That would be so fascinating. <laughs> I just winked at you. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Wait, was I being psychic? Awesome. Okay. There's a show called Southern Charm. I don't know if you watch it. on It's on Bravo and it takes place in Charleston. And I saw one of your highlights. I think it was on the highlights or somewhere in your Instagram. You and your boyfriend went to Charleston and you saw the horses, yeah. the horses pulling the carriages. And you were able to communicate with the horse who was very tired oh, gosh, and didn't want yeah. to be doing that. Tell me all about that. And is this, can you communicate with all animals too? Yes, I communicate with animals. My kids call, Jane, my kids call me Dr. Doolittle. They're like, mom, you're like Dr. Doolittle. I'm like, I know. I'm like, in the meantime, I have a dog named Stella. I'm like, in the meantime, Stella said, leave her alone. Stop bothering. <laughs> like, you know, tell them. The animal readings, I really enjoy doing because I feel like I'm giving them a voice. You know, the same thing. I, I feel like I'm giving everybody a voice. I shouldn't pick one or the other. But the animals, I just, I really enjoy doing them. It's something different. It's, I had a, a reading the one time, this was a funny one, where I had a woman here and I was doing a reading. I was connecting with her loved ones, et cetera. And then when I had, because I do this little beginning spiel when I go over all my gifts and what I'm able to do and whatnot. And when I mentioned the animal thing, she's like, oh, if we have a little extra time at the end, can you just connect with my dog and just see, you know, what my dog's thinking or how it's going with my dog? And I said, yeah, sure. So at the end, I look at the picture of her dog because I asked for photos and I said, oh, I look at his picture and I go, just so you know, I go, he absolutely loves you, adores you. I said, but the only thing with him is he's having a lot of anxiety lately because you've been having the news on a lot. I said, it gives him a lot of anxiety. So he's asking if you could please shut the news off or turn the volume down or do something. She looks at me. She looks like a deer in headlights. And she's like, oh, my God. I was like, what? She goes, Laura, that's all I have on all day long is the news. She goes, I have it on 24-7. And I was like, well, that's 
that's what's wrong with him. And then the funny part after that, he kind of pops in and he's like, oh, one more thing. He's like, tell her when she makes fish to open the window because I can't stand the smell of it. It bothers my nose. So I said this to her and she goes, craving fish. And that's all I've been eating for the last three weeks is fish. I've been eating it consistently like five nights a week. And I was like, well, he can't stand the smell of it. (laughs) So when I was in Charleston, when I was picking up on the horses, I was like devastated. I drove my boyfriend crazy. That's all I talked about. It's like, I don't know if you noticed, I kept talking about the horses. I was calling, I don't know if it was like the Charleston, the ASPCA. I was like leaving messages for these people. The lady at the stall for the tour, she thought I was a wacko because I kept asking her. I'm like, well, the horse is telling me. She looked at me. I'm like, I communicate with horses. She's like, well, we take their temperature and we make sure. I'm like, well, that's not what he's saying. So we were going back and forth. I could tell she was getting pissed. I assume that animals obviously can't speak our language. So like they're not watching the news and being yeah. stressed by that. But I would assume it's because the news is stressing her and causing her anxiety. The dog is then picking up on that. Is that how it happens? No, I think it was just the news being on from what he was telling me. <laughs> oh, OK. He was listening to the news and I guess maybe that it was loud and whatever. It was just giving him a lot of anxiety. Maybe that's why when he had said to her, can you shut it down or shut it off or do something with it? It was like too loud. It was too much. So maybe all the commotion okay. with the news. Dogs are very animals in general are very empathic. So I agree with that. But from what he was telling me, it was more the actual television that was giving him anxiety. OK. Well, you just gave me an idea not to put you to work, but I am. Mm-hmm. My dog, Batman, has been coughing. Oh, my God, Batman. That's yeah, so it's, he's he's my second Batman. And my first Batman died young. He was like only nine. And he had the same cough that this Batman has. And that's why I'm freaking out. Can you give me a pic? Can you show me a picture of him? I'll get him. Is that better? Or oh, you- yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot your home. Yeah, home. Yes. He's right. He's him? right here. He's on my bed. next. Oh, yeah. Can you get? Yeah, yeah. Hey, Batman, you're going to get a psychic reading. Here he is. Uh, you know what he's telling me, Jane? He's telling me that his stomach is hurting him. His stomach is bothering him. What should can, I do? Can dogs, have, can dogs have the acid reflux? I don't know. Almost like he's having some burning in his throat. That's sort of like what I'm getting. It feels like acidy. Okay. That's what it feels like. I don't see anything bad with him. Okay. He's going he's gonna to be fine. His stomach is a little bit more sensitive, too. I don't know if you noticed that with him, that he's just like a little more on the sensitive side. Well, I did notice like a week ago I had picked him up and he squealed. And I'm like, whoa, I was holding him there. And I'm like, oh, that's never happened before. Why don't you take him to the vet and just have them do like a checkup on his stomach? Have them check that area because I feel like that's bothering him. That's what he's telling me. He's not in pain. It almost feels like, in, you know, like when you have agita, you have like indigestion, your stomach hurts. You're like, yeah. oh, I just, that's what it feels like. It feels like a reflux. That's what it feels like. Okay. Okay. Good to know. Thank you. Also, one more thing. You have to check his back left or his back molar, his back tooth. Okay. He's telling me that his back tooth is like sore. Okay. We'll get you checked out, buddy. Is there any way that my first Batman is now my second Batman? Do they do that? Do they come back and reincarnate to be with you again? No, sometimes I've had situations where things have happened that way, where somebody, it's not that they incarnate completely, but a little piece of them kind of comes back. But I don't feel like your first Batman is your second Batman, is the one that's now. No, I feel like they're separate souls. 
Okay. I I was feeling like it could be and I was hoping, but okay. No, but I feel like they soul wise, I feel like they're they it's almost like they're brothers or like they're connected, like soul wise. So that might be what you're picking up on. But I don't think that they're that one was the other. That's just not my that's just not what I feel. So a, maybe a week before the first Batman died, I had a psychic. I had the party in my West Hollywood mm-hmm. apartment. I had all my friends over and I had the psychic come and do a group reading. It was interesting because my friend Sheena had gone to Las Vegas to headline a show out there. And before she decided to do it and she was figuring out if she wanted to or not, the psychic was like, yeah, you're, you have a big move coming up. And no one knew. She didn't tell anyone. And so she's like going mm-hmm. around and predicting all of these things to people. Another one. I think I could say this because I think it's known that he went to the hospital. But, uh, you know, I won't say I won't say names. My friend's brother, who smoked a lot of weed, she gets to him. And she was like, you need to stop smoking. Like, you smoke way too much. And he, like, laughed it off. A week later, he was put in the hospital because of it. And he had some respiratory Mm. issues. So anyway, she gets to me. And instead of giving me, like, my own reading, she's like, and I had the original Batman in my lap. She's like, can I tell you what he's saying? And I'm like, okay. And I have to admit, at the time, I was, like, a little annoyed because I'm like, he's not really talking to her. I didn't believe it. And I was like, I wanted my own reading. I was being selfish, but I let her say it. And she's like, he really likes the filtered water from the fridge. He doesn't like when you give him tap water. And she was like, and he came here to protect you. He's your protector. And I was like, oh, I know. Because there was a situation where he did twice. He saved my life, believe it or not. And a week later, he died. Then I was so grateful that she gave me that little reading because that was like the last communications from him. And so I'm now grateful for it. But it's just interesting how even me, who I kind of fight the idea that I could be psychic or intuitive and I don't like to talk about it. It's funny because a lot of times I'm so skeptical of others, even though I know or I should know it's a real thing. We have a sixth sense, you know, and I don't know why we're all so Even those of us who have it, like why we're so set on kind of either denying it or hiding it. I hope with us talking about it, it helps people realize to be open to it. Yeah, I've had, you know what, James, I'm at the point in my life where I'm like, this is me and that's it. And that's why I always tell everybody, I'm not one of those people that I'm like, I always have to be right. And it's like, oh no, I have to be this great person. And I'm, that's why I always tell everybody, I'm like, I'm not God. I don't know everything. I'm here to help. I'm here to connect you with your loved one. I'm here to just shed light on whatever the situation is in your life to help guide you. But I've had so many people throughout the years where I remember it used to affect me where I would have people being like, oh, you're full of shit or sorry, let me swear, but no, it's you're okay. full of crap or, or the, I, oh my God, it's horrible when you get the readings. I remember I used to get the readings once in a while where it would be like, nope, no, nope. Now I know whenever I get those that I have to just, listen, this isn't a connection. This isn't going to work. You know what? I don't want anything. It's like, it's, it is what it is. You go your way. I'm going to go my way. I wish you the best. It's not a good match. It's mm-hmm. not everybody. It's your people, basically. Yeah. But I remember in the beginning, I would try to make the shoe fit, meaning I would want so badly to give them something. I would sit there. I remember this one guy one time. Oh, my God. Everything was like, no, no, no. For two and a half hours, I sat with this guy just trying, ripping my hair out. And it wasn't an ego thing where I had to be right. It was like, I really wanted to make it work for him, but he just wasn't open. He just wasn't, he wasn't there. So now I'm like, I'm not, 
I'm going to conserve my energy for somebody else that's that maybe it's just a better match or that they're more open to. And it's okay. Yeah. I'm learning that there's little things that I'll pick up on and they seem so insignificant, but I think those are the Mm -hmm. things to help maybe the people who they want to believe, but they're not sure. And just for example, when I was saying I had a sense that my friend's boyfriend should not ride a motorcycle, I also started, Mm -hmm. I think I was talking to her father who's passed away. And I also saw some visions of like their childhood of her and her brother And I saw a red sports car and I saw something with like bubble gum in the back seat, right? So these are like two things. This isn't going to change the outcome of anything. It's something that happened in the past. It was an insignificant little thing. But these are things that I would not personally know, even from being friends with them. I wouldn't know this. So when my friend who I reached out to and I told her about all of this, she then texted our friend's brother, who would be more open to these messages than the friend who doesn't believe. She was like, hey, Jamie's like picking up on some things. Did you have like a red car growing up? Was there some sort of bubblegum incident? And he goes, and I didn't even want to mention the bubblegum because I'm like, this is so far out there. This is probably nothing. And he goes, that was a core memory. We were in the back seat and we got bubblegum stuck in the seat and my dad flipped out and like, I'll never forget this core memory. And so, and then also he the dad had a red sports car and that was like his uh, hobby. And so it's like these little things I feel like maybe are to show them that we truly are getting messages, right? So that they can believe the next thing that maybe helped them today. You got it. I, I always say that. I say that it's I that's how it works with me as well. It's almost like I tell everybody it's like these left field validation, especially when it comes to futuristic stuff, right? Like things that haven't come to fruition yet, things more in the future, like you said about the motorcycle and all that other stuff. They have to give you stuff that they can validate because you can't validate the future till it happens, right? Right. So they give you these little bubblegum little it might seem insignificant to you, but it's just backing up. Okay, how would she know about that? So if she knows about that, then this must be true too, right? Right. So it's like, it's the same thing. But then overall, for you, that's also validating that it was his dad that was giving you the messages. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's amazing. Yeah, it's interesting. Interesting stuff. It's fascinating. It's scary. It's all the things. What do you hope your clients, because you have one-on-one clients as well. You don't just work with hospitals or with the the police. You do one-on-ones. Why do you do it? Do you feel like you're helping them or giving them closure or giving them peace or all the things? What do you hope they get out of it? I hope that they get, they have healing. I hope that I put them on a path and just help them with some sort of closure. I love the fact of giving their family members a voice and being able to connect with them one last time. That's what that's what the majority of people say to me. They're like, you've given me so much peace and being able to connect with my father or my mother or my brother. I just had a reading this morning. It was the woman's brother that had passed away. And it was the only family that she really had. And she had a very troubled childhood. And this was like her best friend. Just giving her messages, she was like, I feel like my brother. And I actually allowed him to channel through me. So with channeling, I took on his persona and I was acting like him, talking like him. And she's like, I really felt like I was sitting with my brother. She's like, so that for her, that's what gives me the gas to keep going and keep doing what I'm doing. Just seeing her reaction and I was crying happy tears and then hugging her at the end. That makes me go home feeling fulfilled. You know, I always tell everybody, 
in life, it's, yeah, it's great. We have to do something that fills our be- belly, essentially, right? You have to go to work, you have to put food on the table, but truly being able to do something that feeds your soul, that's what it's all about. And that's exactly what this does to me, if, for, for me, should I say, it feeds my soul. I love that you found that and you have that now. And yeah. I'm, I'm so glad that it seems like everyone in your life is now embracing it. Yeah. My kids, I don't know if I told you this. I don't think we touched on this at all, but with all three of my kids are all, well, my daughters are probably going to kill me for announcing this, but all three of my kids are very gifted. And as you can imagine, my house is very interesting, to say the least. (laughs) Even on my Instagram, you could see I make like little videos here and there of my kids. My son, he's very much like me. He's very open. In school, I remember last year, the teacher had called me. She said, your son just in the parent-teacher conference, she goes, Mateo said something really interesting one day. She goes, and I go, what? She goes, well, I brought up this question. She goes, that nobody had the answer to. And I was just kind of saying it and just asking. She goes, and he was really quick to raise his hand and he had the answer. She goes, it caught me off guard. If it was actually, I was quite surprised. And I said to him, wow, Mateo, that's amazing. How did you know that? He goes, because I'm psychic. (laughs) And he's 10. He's IVZ. Yeah. Yeah. And at that time he was nine, but he just said it's so nonchalant. That's amazing that they're not hiding it. They're not ashamed of it. Because had you not been so open, they probably all would have internalized it like you did and not told anyone and thought maybe there's something wrong with them. So that's great that they feel so comfortable that they can embrace it too. It's very normal in my house. Jane, I have my daughter, her friends, they call me on FaceTime all the time. They're like, can we come over? Can we get a group reading going? I do readings for them. They're like, you know, what's going on with this boy or that person or this or that? Or like they, they want to know all these things and they think it's great, you know? And then even with my son, he's like, yeah, he'll tell me that he told his one friend, he saw a grandfather with him. He's like, and I gave him a message and I told him that he had his grandfather's necklace and he started crying. And I'm like, so he's giving people. Oh my God. I try to teach them though. And I think this is going to circle back to what we were talking about in the beginning or what you were kind of touching on earlier with kind of feeling like, do we just tell people messages or give people messages? I always tell Mateo, I don't go around just kind of telling people or giving them messages. It's they have to give me permission. You know, it's like I have yeah. to have their okay. There are some times like with you, I know you were telling that one story where you really felt pulled to kind of giving that one person the message that one time. So I have had that happen to me every once in a blue moon. But for the most part, I may feel things, but I don't go up to anybody and just kind of say it to them. So I'm trying to teach them that. I'm like, buddy, if they're not, you know, if they if they ask you, it's one thing. You just don't go up to somebody and just kind of give them the information because they might take it the wrong way. You might upset them. You don't want to do that. So a hundred percent. So that's in my house, though. (laughs) I love that. I love that. I need to come meet all your kids. You need to meet Ivy. Mm -hmm. I don't know when I'm going to be in New Jersey next. Do you have any plans to come to California? As of right now, no, but I have a feeling I'll be coming there probably by the spring. I'll be over there. Okay. Let's try to get together if your vision is correct. (laughs) You're coming. You have time. (laughs) Do you see me coming to New Jersey anytime soon? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, if it's sooner than you, then it's funny. We can make psychic plans. This is awesome. I know. Okay. Well, do it. Yeah. <laughs> we'll make so I'm going to let you go. I've kept you for almost two hours. Thank you so much for all of your time. My next call is a FaceTime with this guy that I met online. And he lives up north in California. He's in the wine business. And this yeah. is going to be our first FaceTime. Like, we've been talking for over a month. 
I've put myself on pause, I would say for a year. And now I've got some people in the mix that I'm talking to. I'm smiling right now because I feel as though relationship wise, and that really, I still, I see really kicking some things around over the next couple months. I think by June, there's going to be, you're going to be a little more settled as far as in your love life or relationship direction. That's what I'm seeing. Do you know that I've had psychics predict career stuff for me pretty well, mm. but I've yet to find one that can actually predict my love life. They're always wrong. And I'm not saying you're wrong, but I'm saying I've never had someone in the past be able to. And I wonder if I'm blocking it somehow. And uh, no, I don't think you're blocking it. I just, I feel like you, not that you, I just feel like this has just been part of your journey. I just think you were supposed to be where you are now. Like having a platform, I feel like doing what you're doing. I feel like this was all like you needed to get here. And then now you'll have the connection with the soulmate and then everything else will come into play. I just think you needed to get yourself to where you are now. I think that's why. That's what this is. But June, I think, I'm telling you, just trust me. June, I'm going to meet someone or June, someone that no, I've been by with. June, is gonna... Somebody that's been in your circle, it's going to all come together by June. Okay. So okay. you're not going to meet someone in June. This is going to be somebody that you will ha will have met already and everything, it'll be more solidified by June. So you'll have clarity in June. So you'll be settled in June with your relationship. How's that? I think I know what you're talking about, but okay. Do you know what I'm talking about? That's, I do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So by June. So I shouldn't <laughs> waste my time with this guy? No, listen, you know what? Every You meet people, right? People are a reason, a season, or they're, they're, you're, you've crossed paths with this person for a reason. So just go with it. Yeah. See, see what this is. There's a reason that you guys cross paths and just go from there. Good to know. Okay. <laughs> are you open to giving people sessions if they wanted to? Yeah. Where do they go? Is there a website? Do they go to the Instagram? Yeah. You can go to my website. It's laurasafaldinewjerseymedium.com. You can book right on there. Also, you could check out my Instagram, which is laura underscore safaldi. And then I don't know if it's okay with you, but if I could just say that the crime cults and coffee I, I do that other podcast well I I come on there and I do readings and that's connecting for victims and going over different cases and just kind of shedding light on what may have happened to them and I give readings to family members what's that called crime cults and coffee okay very cool I didn't know you yeah. did that that's awesome yeah I usually do it maybe like once a month I'll go on there and I do a reading for a specific family that they just let me know. I don't really know what the family is until we sit down and I we record the podcast. They say you're going to meet with this person and it's their son or their daughter, whoever it is. They give me a picture of them and that's all I know. And then I just, they call the per person on FaceTime and then I do the reading for them. Wow. So I go over what may have happened to their loved one. I just discuss certain details of the case and I give them more pieces to the puzzle, essentially doing what I do, the criminal psychic aspect. Amazing. Yeah. Laura spells her last name with a C, but I'm going to put that all in the show notes. So you guys can just go there and click on it and that will take you to her website and you'll see her Instagram there. Now on our way out, Laura, I always play an outro song and it's usually something that comes up in the episode, but if it doesn't, I will ask my guest what song would they like to play? And I'm just thinking back to our days of the club music. <laughs> 
<laughs> dance music. Do you have something from back in the day that we could play or something new that you're loving? Whatever you want. All right. Let's say. I don't know why, but I'm thinking of that song. Right. The sun shining. Remember that club song? Sing more. How does uh, it go? It was like, ah. It's weird. The singing in like the club at the end of the night. It's like, let the sun shine in. Let the sun shine in. I can't think of it. The I can't. whole night in that This is by a guy singer or a girl? Yeah, I think it was a guy. It was a guy. Okay. If not, we don't have to do that. We could do... Um, I can look that up. I'm sure I could find it. Or why don't you do Eye of the Tiger? <laughs> <laughs> really? do that okay. whatever you I want. love country I love all that I don't know if you're into country I love country I'm getting into it a little bit I like fake country like my gateway country is Sam Hunt oh I like Morgan Wallen yeah you know what's weird about him is I heard he dated Kristen Cavallari and so now anytime because mm -hmm. I actually was listening to a country station the other day and yeah on my Spotify like it makes the lists for me and anytime he comes up all I can think of is Kristen Cavallari and I'm like did he write this for her did he write this for her and it ruins it for me and I don't know why because I love Kristen so I don't know why that would bother me but just knowing that personal relationship it like takes the mysteriousness out of the songs away and I don't even know when or how long they dated or if he wrote all that way before her I have no idea about their relationship but it's so weird that's all that's all I think of when his songs come on so I always just turn them off I'm a weirdo is she but what about Jason Aldean? He's good. He has a bar in Nashville that I went to. He has a, it's like a oh, rooftop, I'm dying right? I want to go to Nashville. I want to go to, I think so. I want to go. I've never gone to Nashville. I want to go. So fun. All right, good. Maybe we'll go together. We should go. We should, <laughs> easy go. trip for you, right? From New Jersey. It's not that far. Yeah. No, I think it's like an hour and a half. If that. I don't think it's far at all. The last time I was there, I was with my emo musician guy and we were seeing his band play dashboard confessional i saw them play i am trying to get out of the emo genre because i realized it's been making me depressed for 20 years oh my god you're so funny so i am trying to open up to new things like country and i might even get back into the old school dance music that we used to listen to because kind of put it together i'm like i've taken emo music as far as it can possibly go i've been a fan for 20 years maybe it was just a phase maybe i need to be done with it when I see certain people from pop culture DJing emo nights now, I'm just like, you know what? I've brought this enough to the mainstream and I am taking a lot of credit for it. But I think I did a lot of that in this in the California area with emo nights and stuff. And I'm just like, it's time to move on. It's time to move on. And then that's when it clicked for me. I'm just like, I've been depressed for 20 years because so I'm listening to emo music. So anyway. <laughs> Let's play it. You know, I'm gonna play a dance song. I'm gonna I'm gonna look up All that right. first song that you mentioned. And we'll do that. And welcome to Jamie's dance songs era. Rob, Rob would know that. Rob would know that song. <laughs> I'm sure she would. <laughs> All right. Well, take care. It was so nice catching up right. with you. I know. It's so nice. You guys go check her out and get a reading with her. She is awesome. Thank you, Laura. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. It's so lovely when it's sunny.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.